The first round is in the books, and so we've got winners, losers, and more to reflect on today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate you being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise, then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game. Shout out to Joe's computer, the real MVP, working to burning the candle on both ends here as we get ready to do podcasts. I think it's still... Still struggling off the, the five hours we were on the live stream last night, huh? Yeah, so listen, if you wanted our very authentic, immediate reactions to all the picks, first of all, Please where were you last night? But also Second it's of all, in, a bunch of you were there, so shout yeah, out to all of you. So thank you to thank you to those people. But also it's it's in the the, the channel, right? Locked on NFL Scouting YouTube channel. You can go back, fast forward through, catch any parts that you want. It was really, really fun, and we look forward to doing it again tonight for day two. You you can find it if you go to the channel under lives yep, and it's the five hour video, that's got like thousands and thousands and thousands of views. Cause you guys were awesome. So yes. thank you for that. Uh, so we want to talk, we feel like winners after night one, but we want to talk about some winners of actual participants between players and teams and those uh, who finally had the question answered, where are you going to be and where are you going to get drafted? And we'll talk about sliders or missed opportunities as well. And obviously there's there's a very large positional value debate that our Lions have kicked off mm. with drafting a running back and a linebacker in the top 20. And I'm excited to, to dive into all of this. So let's start with winners. How about C.J. Stroud? All of the last two to three weeks was Stroud's going to fall. Stroud's going to fall. He's going to tumble. And in the last 18 hours before the draft, he became like a FanDuel minus 6,000 bet to go number two overall. I think I think McNair came in here and said, look, we're picking two. Y'all want to get a defensive stalwart? That's fine. But let's get the quarterback while we're here at two and not watch this dude go to the Colts or the Titans or us have to play this guy two times a year for a long, potentially a long time. Yeah, we both agreed he's the top quarterback in this class. And like I mentioned on the stream last night, between the C.J. Stroud pick and Will Anderson, I I feel like this team finally has an identity. They look like a roster that's coming together. You can see the building blocks for the Houston Texans. And I didn't expect them to pick two and three, but like you said there, we we knew there were some mixed ideas on what to do with the pick, whether it was C.J. Stroud or Will Anderson. And you know what they said? We'll take them both. We'll we'll make both of them happen. Now, they made a calculated choice parting with their own first-round pick next year, 
which now belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so you better go out there and win some football games to make that as low as possible. But you talk about getting premier talent in this draft class, the Houston Texans were able to do that. And my goodness, did they need to? So I, I think there is a lot to like there. How about the so, Philadelphia Eagles, Kyle? Yeah. If you, if you had to name a team that won. Yeah. Philly getting two players that were in consideration for them to pick both at 10. And the, the cost to do so was a 2024 fourth to get it all done. Bravo. Job well done. I think Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. Jalen Carter is the most dynamic player in this class. Like legit can beat blocks, legit size, athleticism, checking all the boxes. Obviously the maturity questions are there, but Philadelphia is a wonderful landing spot for him now that there's so many of his former Georgia teammates there. But also I can't stop thinking about those veterans in Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey on one-year deals and just a very stable situation. And they look, they lost a little bit on that defensive line in free agency, but they very quickly restored it with young cost control players, right on rookie deals, which is going to really help them maintain that identity with that defensive line as they are going to be committing a lot of money to Jalen Hurts moving forward. And so I think resetting the money there just makes so much sense to me based on how expensive their roster is getting. It's a good problem to have, but it feels like Howie Roseman is really seeing that roadmap moving forward and how to maintain a balanced, deep roster while paying a quarterback. And having these types of talents on low-cost deals is going to be a a huge way in doing that. And they've, they've certainly got more flexibility to come here in future years with what they've been able to establish through other trades. Yeah. And, and of course they still have a surplus here. They go 62, 66. And then put that in the bag with the two first round selections that they made there. I mean, they're going to get more meaningful players. And with the the way that they have structured that Jalen Hurts contract, being able to pivot in 2025 and 2026 and feel confident that you have players that you'll have to pay, but the big, the big dollar commitments are coming two, three years after you commit to the new contract uh, really puts them in a good spot. And I think these are, are two players, penetration interior defender and a, um, a pass rusher that they have proven that they can weaponize with, with what they did last year with Hassan Reddick. Fifth-year options aren't a small deal either no. for these guys. So, you know, I mean, this gives you a runway through 2020. God, I'm going to try to do the math. Seven? Like, the, the the first big cap hit, if both of these guys hit, and it's a big assumption to make, right? Like, But if they both hit, the big cap hit for both of them is probably 2028. And that's out past some of the crazy stuff with the Jalen Hurts contract. So, mm-hmm. this is well done by Philadelphia. Some other winners that I really liked here, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers being able to get Broderick Jones. You know, we got a little bit of an offensive line run that started with Paris Johnson, and then you get Darnell Wright in the top 10 at 11. You get Peter Skaronsky, and then they're able to jump the Jets and come up and get Broderick Jones, who I think has just an incredible ceiling. He'll help that run game immediately. But also, I think the upside as a pass blocker is really exciting, and the range there is really exciting. I think that 
is certainly one of my favorite things that happened in the first round. You've got a lot invested in this backfield with Kenny Pickett and, and Najee Harris. If you want to maximize it, get that offensive line right. And I think this this move, in addition to CMLU and uh, you know, recent other additions that they've made here, it's kind of finally coming together and, and being a formidable unit. So let's give some flowers to what the Arizona Cardinals were able to swing. They went from three to 12 and back to six. Does that sound familiar, Joe? Yeah. You know, I think that's real familiar for one you. Yeah. Now, this wasn't with a quarterback involved, and you know the, the swing cost some capital. But they sent three and 105 for 12, 33, a future one, and a future three. And then they came back up from 12 to six, and sent their own second-round pick at 34. So they effectively moved up one spot in the second round and added a future one and a future three in exchange to take the same player at three that it seems like they were going to, or to take the same player at six that it seems like they were going to take at three. Still got a premium player, right, at a premium position in Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle. We can't forget here that this is Houston's original pick that they got, Arizona. I mean with the with the one. Yeah. With the one next year. Arizona could be staring at two top ten picks next year based on their actual result and what Houston and where they finish. Yeah, I think Houston stacking up in the South is an interesting conversation. I'd love to shout out one more pick here. Deontay Banks to the New York Giants. I think that's really good value for them at number 24. Probably a need we didn't talk enough about because we thought so much about the interior offensive line, and and it's still a major problem. But to get who I think Deontay Banks, a legitimate first-round corner, that fits Wink Martindale's defense very well, man coverage, has to tackle, um, was great value and and puts them in a better position with their answer opposite of a Dory Jackson where it was going to be Cordell Flott kind of penciled in to be that guy and I think you um, you very quickly upgrade a very important position in a situation this NFC East where it's very competitive and you need to be able to stop the pass with what the Cowboys have in Dak Prescott and of course Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and even Washington's got good receivers right so needed to make that type of pick and and I I thought that was really good value for the Giants there at number 24. And my final shout-out is Mozzie Smith with the Cowboys at 26. I think that's awesome value. I think he's a great fit in that front. Him learning from Jonathan Hankins this year is going to be a lot of fun. They finally got that guy. Yeah, They've been looking for that guy for a few years. They got him, so it's yeah. a good fit. Cowboys a lot more stout up the middle. In just a moment, we're going to talk about some of the more questionable things that happened in the first round. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard us talk about this mobile game app, and look, if you think you'd make a good GM, then you got to give it a try. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory by trying to build a historic dynasty. With Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating player salaries and terms, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this, of course, in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free, playable, offline, on the go, as you want, and when you want to. 
Locked On NFL Scouting listeners, you get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use our promo code Locked On. That's in all caps in the game store. That's Locked On. So make sure to check it out today to download the game. Again, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. So do you want to refer to this as questionable? Do you want to refer to this as, I hate using the word losers. I know we have it in the column as losers, but right. there, there's peaks and valleys. And all of these, let's start with this before we go down any level of constructive criticism. Every single pick that was made has a pathway to being a successful NFL player and a successful decision. Whether or not it was the kind of approach versus how we perceive the players and how we perceive your team and how we perceive the players that you've added to your team and how we perceive the value of how you went about getting those players. like the, the, Those are all the things that we're putting in the microscope. But I think I speak for both of us when we say, like, we don't know. Yeah, how the, what the outcome is going to be. And it, it will, could be very easy for something that we perceive to be a big surprise of like, man, I can't believe this happened. Like I, I would never have done this to be a successful outcome. Yeah. It's all probabilities and, based. And it's all tied to the way we see it, right? It's the, what the team does. If I like it or not, it's going to be rooted in my perception of the value and the player and the need that you fill. Right. And obviously the people that's jobs are on the line saw it differently. If I criticize right. something. So I, I, we absolutely recognize that, and so um, I, I think that's a, a fair disclaimer to get out of the way and not with it out of the way, Kyle. I mean, where do, where do you want to start this uh, this part of our conversation? Oh, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I don't like Kalijah Kansi to the Bucks. I get it. Penetration type. You guys have been swinging, the fe- swinging for the, the fences relentlessly trying to get the defensive line figured out. You're going to spend a top 20 pick with the needs that you have it off. And look, like, I, I get it. The tackle run happened before you got to the party. But Anton Harrison was there. DeLon Jones was there. Matthew Bergeron was there. There's no interior offensive linemen that have gone. And I don't think you're not immune from adding to that group as well, regardless of how much you like Robert Hainsey or Luke Decky And, like, they're not stopping me. So... As a team that I, I just think, and, and I'll acknowledge the defense did not play well last year, you have these big-time linebackers that you can put in position to be successful by protecting them, and I think you went out and you got a sub-package pass rusher in the a- NFC South. I just don't know how much that really moves the needle for me in what should be a competitive year with what that division projects as, and well, there's... This is drafting a for as much as the Bucks like drafting prototype corners and size and length at that corner. This is the total inverse of that. You've selected a, a total outlier with a top twenty pick to come in here and fix a thing that you know you you used your first pick last year on Logan Hall. You used a first round pick on Joe Tryon Shayanka. You used a first round pick and hit big on Vita Vea. This this doesn't, in my mind, it gives you a different skill set, but it brings you a specialized skill set that there were a bunch of spots on this roster that I looked at. It's like, yeah, you could probably get a thousand snaps from somebody if you take somebody here. 
don't think they're going to get a thousand snaps from Kalaj Kansi. They probably won't get five hundred snaps from Kalaj Kansi. Yeah, they're going to get a thousand snaps over the next two seasons from Kalaj Kansi. Right. They better. Top twenty pick. I obviously so, have my questions there as well. There's a pathway for success here. It's just with, with the other needs that they have on the roster and other players that I perceive and value. It's not the direction that I would have gone, and it doesn't mean it's not going to be successful. But it's, I think that path there will be detrimental to Tampa having success, consistent success, game by game and week by week in 2023. Kyle, I have my concerns about Will McDonald to the New York Jets with pick number 15, and I'm not surprised that Will McDonald went in the first round. I, I kind of expected him to be one of those late picks, right? You look at Philly pick Nolan Smith, Kansas City pick Felix Anaduki Uzoma, Miles Murphy came out at 28. I kind of thought that was going to be the sweet spot for him. So it's a little early, but I'm not going to call it a massive reach. I just have questions here about how they maximize this player, right? He's a 239-pound Big 12 edge rusher, a little bit of an older guy, plays pretty powerful for his size. He's got good length. There's There's things to like here, but with what you have in a first-round pick last year that you moved up for in Jermaine Johnson. Mm -hmm. With what you have in John Franklin Myers, a player that you're already paying, you saw some promise from uh, the Texas A&M edge rusher whose name escapes me. Michael Clemens. Michael Clemens. Uh, Carl Lawson is still on this roster. He won't be, right? You would think that's got to be a big signal there. This is the kiss of death here for that. Yeah, and they they can free up some money there, but... I don't know. I I thought they had bigger questions on the interior defensive line. Maybe there was an offensive line play to go here. You think about Pittsburgh kind of jumping them, and did this put them in a position that they didn't expect to be, right? Where Was Broderick Jones their plan at 15? And they get jumped, and now their pivot is just a little bit strange to me. Well, um, I just I, think- I don't know how much better they got with that pick. That's my question. That's, that's where I am going to get on board with you to say – the Jets miss the mark because if you want to, if you wanted to set your plan in place to say we are definitively going to draft Broderick Jones, you got jumped with one forty. You got one twelve, one forty three. You couldn't offer one thirty forty three to trade back one spot and play defense here, and slam the door shut on the Steelers. Right, I'll, I'll give you the extra five, but you move back one spot instead of three. I think three teams got jumped on Thursday night and had to pivot. And the first time it happened, I think it was the Lions with Devin Witherspoon. They got, you know, they they didn't get jumped with a trade, but that player yeah, came off the board that was and that put the spider web effect of that one is crazy. Yes. There's this one, and then I, I I don't know. Maybe Dallas would have picked Mozzie Smith, but a lot of thought that Dalton Kincaid was their player, and you know they they had to pivot I, again. I think that's a that's a good landing spot. I like how they pivoted. Mozzie Smith, I think, really helps them, and all the tight ends are there for them to consider with their next pick. Uh, um, but we we saw. I think you could feel like there was some some things that happened. Even even uh, the the Giants kind of making that move up for Deontay Banks kind of slamming the door shut on the the corners. I know Joey Porter's still available. I think, you know, we've heard enough concerns about Joey Porter that we're not all that surprised that he's still around. But it's been interesting to see how some of the trades that happened really do feel like, 
Yeah, I think you had to do it. I think I think if you wanted to get that player, you had to yeah. do it. Well, and even Philly with with Jalen Carter, that feels like a defensive move to to flip one spot. I mean, like, right. oh, why why are you giving up a future for? So somebody else doesn't get your guy when he fell this right. far, right? right? And we had we had heard Pittsburgh maybe into that stratosphere of the draft would be interested in coming up for Jalen Carter. So Philly's saying, all right, Chicago, what do we need to give you to get the same player we're going to get, but not move down and take more? So you, you saw teams be proactive and play defense, and then you saw teams not be proactive and play defense and had to pivot. And, and I think the pivots, especially with the Jets at, at 15, was a pretty drastic departure from who you assumed they were going to take. Yeah. Anything else for observations in this section? We we are going to talk so much about these picks and players and fits and all that in the in the coming weeks. So I don't feel super compelled to really go in on stuff Exhausting. that I yeah I'm a little bit lukewarm yeah. on. Like I don't know, can I do I really want to go in on Quentin Johnston right now to the Chargers? I have questions there, but um you know I don't know that it's like a, a glaring hey I can't believe you did this. It doesn't surprise me. Just not what I would have done. So uh, I I feel like the most polarizing team is Detroit which is where we want to finish today. Yeah, we will finish today. You know what I finished before we recorded? A Bilt Bar. A Bilt Bar. You know it. The best tasting protein bars on the planet. They're healthy and they're delicious. They're delicious because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and they come in insanely good flavors like brownie batter. That's my favorite. They got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, so many great flavors that you can check out. And they're healthy. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein. The macros are off the charts. We're all looking for a little more lean protein. Well, factor in some Built Bars into your diet. It's like eating a candy bar, but they are good for you. Look, you can head on over to Built.com. Try them out for yourself. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN15. You'll get 15% off your next order. But you can also head on over to your local Sam's Club or Walmart and pick up a box off the shelf. Trust me on this. Try them. You'll thank us later. And you might get a little addicted like, like Kyle and I are. So the Detroit Lions pick twice. They trade it down from 6 to 12 and got 34. Then they drafted Bijan, or Bijan, jeez, <laughs> They drafted Jameer Gibbs at 12, and then Jack Campbell, linebacker, Iowa, at 18. They're scheduled to pick today at 34, 48, and 55 in the second round alone. Life is good. For Detroit, But the question is, well, you used the 12th overall pick on the second running back in the class, and you used the 18th overall pick on the first linebacker in the class. Did you miss the mark by investing these premium assets in non-premium positions? That's what I people think, are asking. Listen, I think that's a fair criticism. But I'm also not sitting here with my palms to the air questioning everything about the direction of the Detroit Lions because I'll tell you what, I like these two football players. I really do. I mean, especially Jameer Gibbs, I, I, Ben Johnson's going to maximize that player. For sure. And DeAndre Swift, he kind of stinks. He's not it. He, he's he, not it. He, he's, he, he's frequently injured. He has ball security issues. He has not illustrated good vision or discipline as a runner. And he's selectively soft. Like, I'm sorry, I have Dolphins fans. What, do you think we could flip for DeAndre? I don't want DeAndre Swift. He's in a contract you're getting $2 million this year, has never put it all together, regardless of the physical talent that he has. 
I, I applaud Detroit for moving on, assuming that they're going to move on. Because mm-hmm. they should move on. He's going to be we- the... Who's who's the the player every year that gets the buzz, and then it never happens? He's, he's Sammy, Sammy Watkins. Well, yeah, okay, that's fine. I, I was happy with Jadeveon Clowney, but Sammy Watkins is fine. I mean, from like finally, this is the right fantasy. landing yeah, spot. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he's finally going to do it this year in his twelfth year in the league, and it never happens. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like DeAndre Swift's going to be the next version of that kind of player, and there's no questioning how physically talent, talented he is. But especially for Ben Johnson, like you said. Yeah. This is a player you don't just have to put in the backfield. You can put him in the slot. You can move him around. You can manufacture him touches. But he can be a primary ball carrier, too. And all of that running behind that offensive line, the biggest concern that I had with Jameer Gibbs is getting through the A-level of the defense when things aren't blocked well. This line is going to block as well as anybody for you up front, other than maybe the Philadelphia Eagles and a handful of other teams. It's a great line for him to run behind explosive playmaker that can be maximized. It leans into their identity as a football team. Um, I I don't necessarily love the pick. I mean, I don't know that I would do it, but I, I see it. I see why the pick was made, and I think that their offense is going to be better for this player. But a pick that I do like is Jack Campbell, and I think this, is, this might even be the more highly debated selection. You and I both have Jack Campbell as a top 25 player imagine, in this class. Imagine not liking this pick. I don't know what is missing in the resume and overall profile that you get in Jack Campbell. Size and athleticism, like, off the charts. Two-time defensive MVP at Iowa. Was a consensus All-American. Was the Buckus Award winner. Won all the coaches' appreciation awards. Super accomplished in the classroom. You know he's a great leader and, and communicator, right? That's what you need in a Mike Linebacker. I don't know what's missing from the profile here that makes this a player that's questionable as a first-round talent. I was hoping the Bills were going to draft him in the first round, and he didn't get there. He didn't get outside the top 20. I have a tweet from March 3rd, March March 2nd, excuse me, from at Grinding the Tape. Heard about this account. And it was, quote, tweeting Jack Campbell's RAS score. Said, so how high do we think Jack Campbell can realistically go with this new box checked because he checked all the other boxes Mm -hmm. and we were all too low in the replies because 18. But when I did the deep dive for Miami a couple weeks ago, I I know I texted you. I was like, dude, this is a top 25 player in this class. And if you want to have the conversation about linebackers, just being dogs chasing cars most of the time, like that's fine. But I think there's a skill set here that transcends just run and chase and be protected by my my defensive lineman and just hunt the ball. And anybody with range can do that. The best the best defenses in football have prolific and dynamic second level play on their defense. Jack Campbell can bring that to Detroit. Period. And Malcolm Rodriguez has been overrated, right? Like it, that Malcolm right, Rodriguez doesn't stop me from drafting Jack Campbell. Like we got to establish this. I know that he's a fun story, plays hard, hard knocks, all that stuff. But there's but he's limitations. A there. He's a six round pick for a reason, right? Right. There, there's limitations. Like you don't, you have him and Anzalone on the second level. Those guys don't have to come off the field. And now you're going to play in sub all the time with CJ Gardner Johnson. 
that's your that's your B level right there. Your, your B level, your defense is profoundly better between Campbell and Garner yes. Johnson now playing on it. Right. And so I think that's part of what people are clinging to a little bit, not only maybe questioning the valuation, but what what about Malcolm Rodriguez? Well, what about Malcolm Rodriguez? He's a backup and special teamer. Don't don't what? Let good players prevent you from drafting great players. Okay. Jack Campbell's a great player. Now, again, you could say, oh, well, could could they have got Jack Campbell at 34? Probably not. Right? No, I don't Probably think so. not. No. Could they have got Jameer Gibbs at 18? Maybe, but we're so much buzz on him that he was going to go in the first round. Like that, that became the expectation very quickly this week, and it happened. So, in in a perfect world, you don't select those players in those spots. But this is an imperfect world, and you are a part of a living, breathing experience that involves thirty-two teams acting in their own self-interests. And being able to say, oh, well, we're not going to pick the players that we feel the best players to take a lesser player at a more important position. What is it? not arbitrarily determined, but but universally applied as a more important position just because we need to take that player instead. I don't think is is the most profound way to build a team. There's different, there's appropriate investment inflections for teams at certain points along the way, right? If Detroit is in year one of this regime, let's say who's in this year's, who's, who's this year's example of that. If Detroit is the Houston Texans and you draft Jameer Gibbs at 12 and you stay at 12 and you, you pick him there, it's a bad pick. This is year three of a foundation that they have been building. It makes it a different story. And it's not a, some people refer to these as luxury picks, right? But it's like, if you're trying to field a roster with impactful players and quality starters at as many spots as you can, and these are highly rated players that have a marriage of need and quality of player, and you're in year three and you're trying to compete and win the NFC North, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, there's probably going to be a pass rusher or an offensive lineman or a, an interior defensive lineman that three years from now you'll look back at and win after that pick and say, oh, man, they could have had a more premium position player and drafted this player instead. Look how successful he is. And that's fine. But it, it, if it doesn't meet within the intersection of the needs of where Detroit is at right now, I don't have a problem with it. And I'm not going to tell anybody that disagrees that they're wrong. But that's just the perspective. If I'm looking at as objectively as I can at the Detroit Lions and where their improvement opportunities were and the quality of the players that they had available, assuming full well that those players weren't going to be available the next time they came back around on the clock, just pick the players. We talk about go get your guy all the time. How about the division, being mindful of the division here too? Detroit Lions playing in the NFC North. Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love now at quarterback. They're going to lean into A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones like yep. never before. Yep. you got Justin Fields in this rushing offense. with Deont- uh, They have Deontay Foreman now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Chicago with Cole Herbert. Herbert, right? They're going to want to run the football. Minnesota, I mean, I'm not sure if Dalvin Cook's part of the equation, but they've historically been one of the better rushing offenses in the league over the last several seasons. Jack Campbell's a great downhill player that can deconstruct blocks and, and process quickly and fill the run. And, like, he's not – I mean, he's not an elite range coverage linebacker, but he can more than hold his own. Right. He'll, he'll handle significant portions of the middle of the field in zone coverage. 
Like you mentioned, Jameer, Jameer Gibbs, RB2, B. John Robinson, number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons, RB1. And so as we continue to talk about positional value and another team, Kyle, you mentioned year three of yep. Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, the GM. We've we've said it multiple times. There's no team that can maximize B. John Robinson like Atlanta. Now he's a Falcon. Yeah. But Terry Fontenot gave the old Stone Cold Steve Austin to positional value for the second time in three years. And I'm not talking about having a beer, right? I'm talking about <laughs> the birds. He gave it to Bird. He said, nope, don't care. Best player available. And he was. I think you could have started this draft and said that B. John Robinson was the best player available. Now, there will be other players that are less dependent on what is around them. But look, I think Atlanta, they extended Lindstrom. They brought back McGarry. Yep. They had their left tackle locked down. They started to show some life in the rushing game. That offensive line kind of stabilizing a little bit. They have another pick here at 44 on deck. So another top 50 pick. If they want to get another offensive lineman, they could potentially go that route. Would they want to draft one of these quarterbacks if they fall to 44 between Hendon Hooker and Will Lettis? I think, do you think Detroit goes one at 34? Maybe. I don't know, man. I think I think it'd be kind of fun now that you're out of the first round, and and this is a house money pick for you anyway. You didn't have this one when it started. Maybe I'll say maybe. Um, they they feel like, and, and with how much they run the ball, they feel like an offense that absolutely is going to. Okay, I'll put it this way. The situation that Bijan Robinson is walking into is significantly better than the situation that Najee Harris walked into when he was picked in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Najee Harris went on to be a very, very successful fantasy starter for a lot of people his first season because of volume. Bijan's going to get that kind of volume, and he's a better player in a better situation. I don't know what else to tell you. Terry Fontenot, three top 10 picks. He picked three playmakers, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, B. John Robinson. You think, I mean, you, you for all the conversation we have about some of these quarterbacks not having any first round picks or anything like that to work with, Desmond Imagine. Ritter's got three top 10 picks right. to try to make it work here as he takes over as the starting quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. So, um, and with, like you mentioned, a stable offensive line, like they're all paid veterans on that O-line for, for Atlanta. So, Arthur Smith, offensive-minded, they did a lot for that defense in free agency, a lot. I mean, that this could be one of the funnest divisional races to watch. You know, I don't, I don't know that any team's going to have like an amazing record. You might ten I wins might get it done. Ten, but ten gets it done, right? It's going to be tight all the way through. I think Atlanta's probably the team that has the best chance to get ten wins right now. We're going to debate this division so much. I don't know if I'm ready to go in on that, but I mean. Okay. You, can you not talk yourself into New Orleans? I absolutely could. I could you talk feel, myself into Carolina too. Well, we'll see how the. I mean, how the Bryce Young, how quickly he can acclimate, and if he's good or not, right? I mean, at least they have Andy you Dalton. That, you have that question in in Atlanta too with with Ritter. Sure. So Tampa, I mean, they have they have Baker Mayfield and like veterans. Like, there's a right. lot. There, back that, that's from the, the most experienced. 
that line that line's got to y'all better land a tackle here at picking <laughs> fifty. They're going. You need a tackle. Need they? Yeah, they need a tackle for sure. So we'll see. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on Locked On NFL Scouting. We have the live stream tonight starting, what, 7 o'clock? Good. Oh, man, we should have known the answer to that before we started talking. We got 30 minutes prior to the start of round 30 two. 30 minutes that... prior to the start of round two. We're going to be <laughs> we're going to be on the YouTube channel, Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find us, your teams, every day on YouTube, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Shout out to our everydayers who keep it locked in here with us on Locked On NFL Scouting. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, make it a great rest of your Friday We'll be back to talk to you all again tonight on the live stream for rounds two and three. Keep it here.